My name is Alana and you are listening to Give a Damn, a podcast that intentionally and mindfully explores life's common challenges in order to break down the barriers between us and become the best version of yourself. guys and welcome back to the give a damn podcast my name is alana weinroth i am so excited about this new concept that we've been talking about called girl talk so as you know the give a damn podcast has really been so much about self-help and giving back to our communities and y'all started to write me and be like okay but let's talk about the real stuff that we're going through and how we cope with it. And so what I've decided to do is is sort of go on a stream of these girl talks and create safe space for women to talk about things that we're all thinking about, we're all wondering about, um, but we don't normally talk about with one another and we haven't had the chance to during COVID. So as you know, we did our first girl talk episode with Cass and Ash, three single 30 something gals. And I started to hear from you guys and you said, okay, that's fun and funny and all, but bring on the moms, bring on the wives. Let's get a new perspective. So I've got the moms and the wives today and they are fire and going to give you some wisdom today. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my girl talk guest today. First, we have Lila Rich Creek, actor, native Angelino, everyday meditator, current home renovator, wife and papa mama, self-proclaimed ambassador to Whole Foods, and overall bad bitch. Welcome to the podcast, Lila. Oh, hi. Thank you. I'm very excited. I did a vocal warm-up for this, you guys. I'm ready. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. She didn't. I'm ready to go. This isn't her first rodeo, you guys. Not my first rodeo. I'm ready. <laughs> so, Lila, we have the mama point, or sorry, the mama, the wife point of view from you and pup mama. Yes. And you introduced me to the amazing Courtney Owens. Mm-hmm. Now, Courtney is a former actress. She is a girl mom currently raising three little women in the frozen tundras of the Oregon Trail, pediatric sleep coach. You're going to get a lot of questions after this. I have a feeling. Um, She's got a website that I will share with you guys and legit Kundalini yoga teacher, cross country skier and wife of 10 years. God bless you, Courtney Owens. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, thank you. This is my first podcast. <gasps> oh, well, it's not going to be your last girl. You're going to have a lot of follow-up questions. I've got a feeling. So excited. Courtney's <laughs> for this, this medium. I'm so I excited to chat. Hello, beautiful girl. Hello, good day, ladies. Good day. <laughs> well, you guys, I couldn't think of two more perfect people to have on for this discussion. So we are doing girl talk. We pulled our communities with questions about questions about being a wife, questions about being a mom. And I have a list here of a few questions that I want to go through with you guys and hear what your point of view is. And Lord knows I will chime in where I can or where I can't, but I will interject myself. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's do it. Let's do it. Fire away. I like to start off hot, you guys. So question number one, 
how much sex should we be having with our husbands and partners? And how in the world do you get yourself in the mood after years together for so long? Yeah. I have yeah. a problem with that question right off the bat. And I'm going to say, I really don't like the word should in any capacity for anything, any subject ever in life, deleted all vocabulary because that's like that's the problem the the should aspect of of like what society thinks what like you know rom-com writers think is like the ideal amount of sex like that's nobody's business except you and your partner so that's that's my problem right off the bat yeah I think if you take that out it's up to what you two want you know and ideally like you have a open enough relationship where you can talk about it and talk about like hey you know like when I'm feeling like this I'm not in the mood or like if I'm PMSing like I don't want to but like right after my period let's get down every five minutes mm -hmm. you know so I feel like for me that's more of the thing it's removing the should and just worrying about you two and what works for you two and it's nobody else's business beyond that i appreciate that i want to address the comment about rom-coms i truly feel like they've ruined my relationships because <laughs> i expect it to be like serendipity i expect to like yeah. meet someone and bam you know and it's like instant love and you have sex all the time and like you can't think about anyone else but like life is not linear like that no no right and i also think that there's seasons of your relationship and it ebbs and flows and there'll be you know a couple months where you're just off because someone's really busy at work or someone's like you know i don't know going through like a slump and then and it doesn't mean like oh we still need to be having it every single day but let's just honor the season. And then, you know, the sun will shine again and then you'll be back in like a rhythm. And I feel like the, yeah, the pressure of, oh my God, we didn't have it this week. Does that mean that we're growing apart? Does that mean that we're like, you know, not in love anymore as opposed to just like, well, what's going on with like us personally and what's working and let's just honor this season and know that, yeah, as long as you're honestly talking about it and it's not becoming this elephant in the room, then it will be, it'll be no pressure. But as a mom too, you have to find ways to do it because the kids are always around. I was just gonna ask, like, how do you do that so, with kids? Like, do you have energy to have sex when you have children? Sometimes, and if you do and they're there, you put on Moana and you run in the room. <laughs> it's so exciting. And you have like 20 minutes before they need a snack. Oh my, oh my God. God, I love that, Moana. Like, go, go, hurry, hurry. Or put on like a movie and get everyone some popcorn. And then you just run in your room. And then you hear mom and you're like, hold on. And then, yeah. And that kind of makes it exciting and secret. That's actually super exciting. Yeah, because it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That's what I we do. Like, I also feel like, I don't know if like this subject of how much sex you're having in your relationship is talked enough about amongst girlfriends because I remember one girlfriend told me a couple years ago and her and her um, husband at the time were, had been married for maybe like five years together for like 12. And she was like, oh yeah, we're only having sex like three times a week. And I was like, whoa, we're not. Who Definitely is? Not. <laughs> yeah. what? I'm sorry, I don't even want to do it that much. Like that's, that's not 
fun for me, like for lack of a better phrase, but, but also it made me feel insecure. Yeah. Like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Cause I don't want to do it that much. Like should, like they've been together longer than us. Should we be doing it that much? Is there something like, are we, like you said, are we growing apart? And I think because it's not talked about enough, like that then becomes the natural go-to versus like, oh, cool. Yeah. I don't want to do it that much. We do it X amount of times or yeah. right now we're doing it like that. So I think like it's the, it's the shoulds and like the stigma and the rom-coms and the fact that it's not talked about enough, which makes it makes, puts the pressure on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the shoulds. And, and I anticipate, like, I always think like I should be having so much sex right now because like I'm still I'm in a newer relationship right because then right. later it's going to get stale so if I'm not having sex every day right now then what's going to happen later right um I typically find that like I want to have more sex in my relationships than my partners do um but that being said like after even just a few months it's like I get tired and then I put the pressure on myself to do it yeah just because I feel like we should yeah. be doing it Right. And I can tell you too, like when Robbie and I were first together, we've been together at this point for like eight and a half years, but when we were first together, we still didn't do it every day because I don't want to. It also doesn't feel as good if you do it every day. If you like do it once a week or once every 10 days, it feels a lot better. Trust me from experience. That's scientific proof, I think. Science, it's actual science. (laughs) (laughs) And that's science. You're welcome, everyone listening to the podcast. We actually did our research before we got on this podcast. <laughs> I've done personal research on this subject. Well, I'm I'm really glad to hear that from you guys. And yeah, my my biggest my biggest question was just like, I mean, it's one thing in a relationship, it's one thing to be married, but Courtney, then when you have children running around, it's like, here's my other follow-up question to you, Courtney, is like, how long how long does it take after you give birth to your children to actually want to have sex again? Like years, sort of. <laughs> I mean, like right after you, you, you have a baby, you're not allowed to because of all of the, 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 the tearing and the stitches and the diapers that you have on. And then um, that's like six weeks. And then the doctor gives you like the okay, but it's still like so tender and so painful and you want nothing to do with it. And you're luckily your partner will be sort of understanding. Um, but I just think it's just sort of takes like, I would say like six months when your boobs aren't leaking everywhere and you're not bleeding everywhere. And it just, it just takes a while. And then, and then you'll get back in the groove and then it's like a whole different sort of sex because you've had a baby and they've seen some stuff come out of you and like it's just different and then there's sex while you're pregnant and you have a huge three bowling balls in front of you so you kind of have to like get in a very um like animal like position to even make it work and then the guys are kind of scared to like do it because there's like a human inside of you and like what if you like pokes their head uh-huh. which can't really happen people think about that I don't know it just so then you're just sort of in this like not even should, but like, I physically don't want to. And you have to understand that, but I still I love you. want to like punch that doctor in the face. If they were like six weeks, you're good to go. I'd be like, you 
back off, sir. Seriously. No. No one asked you. I don't know why they say no six one weeks. Asked you. like that. And you haven't slept in six weeks, so you're so tired oh that, like, if the baby's not crying, you're like, sleep. You know, like, that's all I'm going to do if the baby's not crying or doesn't need to be fed. I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. I would so we need to normalize because in my head, I would imagine if you haven't had sex in six weeks, you're probably like jumping at it, but you need the to- The guys are. But yes, but like normalize the idea that like you're not slept, uh, you, the woman is leaking everywhere from yeah. different orifices and yeah. probably not that romantic. Like, oh my God, we just had a baby and it's now we got through the six weeks and now we're just going to have all the sex like we normally did uh, before the baby came out of me. Mm. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Like, right. If there's anyone listening to this and you're a, you're a doctor or a nurse, yeah. don't do that. Don't, yeah. don't, like I said on the last podcast, like don't ruin it for the rest of us. Um, you would always, I would just suggest going to that six week follow-up by yourself and then coming <laughs> home and being like, nope, didn't get approved. Still really, um, yep. Another six weeks coming up. Dangerous. <laughs> in fact, because it was the first baby, the husbands want to come to all the appointments and you're kind of scared to like drive with the, with the human and park with the baby human and then go to the appointment and do it all. You got you with your first, you needed like another person and with the third, like, nobody came but they want to come to everything but I think go by yourself so that you can just be like I'm not ready can you give me another hall pass for one more month <laughs> I love that and then the guys won't know any different so because if they're in the room they're like okay tonight's the night we got the go <laughs> and, and you literally lock your chastity belt <laughs> yeah or just get all the alcohol and all the pot and all the numbing cream and just hold your breath because it will be very fast because it's been six weeks, right? Yeah, exactly. That's It'll true. be super fast. It won't be a long scene. <laughs> okay, so moral of this story question of how much sex should you be having is that that looks different for everyone in the phase of your relationship. At the end of the day, stop comparing yourself to anybody else. If your friends tell you they have sex with their partner every day, they're a bitch. That's but also, if you're insecure, if you're insecure about how much you're having, then you'll be affected by those conversations. So just get behind your choice of how much you want to have. And then when your horny friends are like, I had it 12 times today, you can be like, oh, that sounds so boring. But, you know, just get behind your choice of what you want. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we worked some stuff out just now. We really did. I actually feel better about that too. Um, okay, great. All right, you guys. Question number two, how do you not resent your husband for not helping more with the kids and the home? And maybe okay. Lila, just for you, the home. I'm going to go up right this and say that you have got to have roles and jobs and like expectations. So there's no like shock or like, I wonder, or it's like, these are my jobs and this is my role. And those are your jobs and those are your roles. And it's very just like cut and dry. I just think that everybody needs to have their chore list. Like my four-year-old has a chore list. My husband has his list. I know that he does the trash. He does, you know, bedtime, bath, whatever. And then I have my roles and then nobody's sort of resenting because it's, I feel like just give them their jobs. Yeah. Did you discuss this pre-marriage? It always evolves. And I think once quarantine hit, my husband Evan saw how much shit I do 
like he had no idea what goes into packing three lunch boxes and you know the hair in the morning with the kids and the grocery shopping and he was like wow 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 you do so much mm-hmm. they don't really see all the behind the scenes stuff so covid helped a lot because he was home and seeing like how much you clean and cook and just so much so that was helpful but then it always evolves like marriage help was different than with kids help and yeah. so just sitting down and we even got a couple therapists for a minute just because I, I didn't, I didn't, I felt like I had, I was his mom, like nagging him for a second. And then we worked with a couples therapist who was like, you know, we just have to have clear roles so that I'm not like telling him what to do. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's like a about, mother a lot. I don't, I don't want to have, a, he's not my fourth child. He's my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm not telling him to clean his room. So we just need to have our jobs and be okay with it. Yep. Yeah, I think for me and Robbie, it um, it kind of presented itself what we needed to do when we moved in together. We moved in together after two years and um, we were young. I mean, I was 25 when we moved in together and he was 27. And so uh, we had never lived with a partner before and things just started presenting itself like, oh, okay, like he likes to leave his dishes in the sink till the end of the day. I don't. So we need to like talk about that. And my biggest thing is just talk directly and openly about everything and anything because I don't want to have to read his mind. So I don't expect him to read my mind. And it's, it's evolved into like what Courtney says, like we just have certain things that we do. Like I literally take the trash out of the trash can and leave it by the front door and he takes hey. it down to the, to the trash can. I'm not yeah. taking it outside. I don't know where my shoes uh-uh. are. No, honey. There's like murderers outside. I didn't know it's gross. Yeah. Um, and like stuff like that. And with butter, she's a dog. She's not a human, but like things like we know the things that need to happen for her. And depending on that person's day, it'll just get split up differently like if I'm at the gym in the morning he'll feed her and then take her on her morning walk or if he's playing tennis in the afternoon I'll take her on her afternoon walk just <laughs> kind of like I love Robbie so much I want to play tennis with Robbie no I think also um same thing like if uh one of my kids is having a day and they want mom then I'm upstairs with that child and then he's on dinner duty you know and I think we talk on the phone so many times a day but it'll be for two seconds mm. and it's just filling him in on what what's going on today and who needs who and who needs to be where and just being flexible you know and also sometimes having to pick your battles like Evan loves to just leave all the dishes in the sink and then in the morning he'll he'll bang them out mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm like that's just not a battle I want to fight right now I have another battle mm-hmm. you know I, I would way, way rather you know this get done and I'm just gonna shelf that right now right yeah so I I definitely feel like through every relationship I've had I've learned better ways of handling these types of things because I've been in so many relationships like you said where it's like I felt like a parent like I had to keep like teaching I almost like sometimes I used to refer to my boyfriends as like puppies like you have to train them yeah Yeah. you do have to train men they're just little they are little puppies they're little puppies like they're so cute they don't know anything they didn't have any mother to raise them so you gotta do it for them and tell them what to do which is annoying as fuck but 
then as time has gone on, I also realized like the evolution of the men that I chose to have in my life changed. And now with even my current boyfriend and for context, like we've been together for not even six months, but I like from the, from the jump asked him questions like, when you have kids like do you think you'll be the kind of dad that'll wake up and change the diaper in the night or nah you know are you clean like I kind of just scope out his place like those were non-negotiables totally like if I walk in and that department or department that apartment is disgusting I'm out and luckily I walked in it was like spotless I was like okay yeah this is great this um and the answers to the questions are good now I recognize that some of that stuff could change but I like the idea of like if you're dating and you haven't committed to marriage yet start the conversations now and start setting those sort of like ground rules of tasks like you just said like I do this you do that I do this you do that and I already like practice it with my dog and um and it goes well so that's gives me hope that it would you know continue yes exactly like resentment comes from like if you think about it stems a lot from i think unexpressed feelings or thoughts which is why i'm so big on communicating because um because then it comes up and out and you guys are on the same page and whether or not they choose to respect that is something that you'll have to like identify and work through or whatever but I feel like I find that resentment in general doesn't really come up as strongly if I'm expressing what I need to express and it's coming up and out and then it's gone from there it's not festering yeah right and I think healthy yeah you're with when you have like um sometimes it's just I'm not as great at all the time as getting it out there or actually I'm better than my husband but sometimes he's not and then it'll be it'll like explode mm-hmm. and so for people out there that aren't always good at just getting it up and out there then I always resort back to like going to therapy for us just like going to the gym like yeah. we never feel like going because we'll go like every two months and then when we go like so much comes up mm-hmm. and I just think it's so important whether or not you do therapy or whatever you do go to church or meditate together do something where like you think everything's fine. And then when you sit down, it's like, oh, here's a lot of stuff's coming up. Cause some people aren't as good at just being like, so open with their feelings. I, and I would say too, Robbie and I have a couples therapist as well. Yeah. We started like a couple years ago and that changed everything as well, because it also gives you a safer space to talk about it. Yeah. You have a third person there that's neutral, that can hold the space that can take care of like the feelings. And, and so you can just be fully there, not needing to manage anything, not needing to like maintain a right. And they, they, they don't let you interrupt, which drives me insane. Insane. So I'm, okay. I'm like, yeah. you know, one more thing. I'm not done. And they're like, it's not your time. And I'm like, okay, I'm writing this down. So I don't <laughs> because that's a lie. He just it's said, you know, right now. Therapy is he's just lying to you. And they can't leave. It's not that my husband leaves, but like, he'll like, you know, be like, okay, we just need a break. I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. I'm like, nope, we're stuck here for 45 minutes, old guy. (laughs) So, um, I like that too. Yeah. I also wanted to say, like, I appreciate normalizing couples therapy. Lila and I were talking about this at dinner the other night. We were like, it, it doesn't matter. In fact, I think it's probably better to go earlier in your relationship versus waiting until things are like really yes. bad because like you're saying like you get all that stuff you get to discuss that stuff 
openly from the start, which I think is a lot smarter than waiting till you want to scream and rip each other's heads off and leave yeah. the room. So let's just right now normalize like couples therapy is a okay. It doesn't mean you're in a broken relationship. No. It's actually it doesn't even change the name. It just needs to be like. It, the, the word therapy freaks guys out. They're like, we don't need that. We're fine. We're, we're fine. It just needs to be like a couple's workout or a couple's coming together because it's just, it's just like having a, a referee in the room, you know, and every, everybody needs that. And I agree with going, go when things are good because yeah. if you go when they're bad, the whole session's about one random fight and you never even got to the core of anything. Yes. So yeah. I love me. that. Do it. Okay. That was great. You guys, you're, crushing it we're on to the next one with my tea cheers to the two oh, of you. cheers and i have a coffee oh, and a liqueur liqueur what flavor is that passion fruit oh nice oh that's a good one but someone just got me a spin spin drift yeah so i'm not i'm not I, I didn't like it it was kind of sorry for any of the listeners out there that work for them um it's just a little <laughs> too soury yeah yeah, I'm a LaCroix girl as well. And Spindrift, if you are listening to this as a whole, you can still sponsor Alana's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I haven't tried the right flavor. I'm opening to get to getting boxes of Spindrift at my if door. If you send us free Spindrift, we'll drink it on the podcast. <laughs> all sponsors and free stuff. Or LaCroix, you can just keep sending these bad boys. Or tea companies or Blue Bottle. Thank you all so very much. Oh, Blue Bottle, I missed that. I just snagged it before we came here. Um, okay, you guys. Next question. Hmm. Let's do a let's do a real good one. Okay, this one's for you, Courtney. And Lila and I are going to ask you questions. I know. Go, 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 go. Birthing and babies. We My want favorite, to favorite, favorite thing in the world. Oh, we shared a little bit of this in our first conversation. I was like, she's my girl for the podcast. So we want the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. Nothing left out. Mm -hmm. I have the first question. Yay. Oh. I have so many. I can't wait. I, I can talk about two oh, years. Okay. Do you always and actually poop when you give birth? That was my question. Damn. Okay. You, and if you do, how much? Okay. Oh. If you have a C-section, do you know what a C-section is? Uh -huh. Yes. Okay. Then you don't because they cut you open. If you are having a vaginal birth, you poop. Always. Just Period. The end. I, I, I've, I have never heard of someone that didn't. I mean, you are pushing with everything that you have in your body. So it everything comes out. Wow. Like, you know, I mean, it, I've, I literally have never heard. I'm sure there are people that say they have it. Some people I think don't, don't think they did and their husbands won't admit it because they don't want to embarrass them. Oh my God. You know, they're like, no, you didn't. You totally didn't. No way. Gross. Only like the, the grossos do that. But you do. <laughs> because imagine pushing as hard as you can to get a, a, a I had 10 pound babies. Oh, so my. I never, you just poop. Did you do vaginal births for all three? Well, oh, the, the first two, yes. And the second one broke my pelvis. She was so big. And then the third, they wouldn't let me because she was so big. And they were like, you're going to break your pelvis again. So I had a lady, like, I mean, okay, I can't. I just keep going. I need you to talk. What do you mean? So you, they just take the poop and they put it away and they throw it away. Okay. And so is the baby like being birthed into the poop, like on the bed? <laughs> no, they move it away, okay. but the baby is coming out in so much blood and gore that, yeah. and they have that white stuff all over them, you know? So it's just all gory and gooey. <laughs> and then like my first daughter, she was like 12 days late. 
So she, um, meconium is what their first poop is called. And you can't leave the hospital until babies poop for the first time. It's called meconium. It's like black tar and it looks really, really weird. And you can't, and, the, and if babies are fully developed in the womb, like mine was, she pooped in the womb. And so we had to get her out because she was like ingesting it. And so, cause when you're, they broke my water and they saw the meconium. So they had to like get her out really fast. So I pushed really, really, really hard and really fast. And she came out and it was a little bit in her lungs, but she was totally okay. So, um, you know, that's all there too. Okay. So follow-up question. Mm -hmm. So you're pushing so, so, so hard, like you were with River. And because you're doing that, do you, do you tear? I've also heard that they sometimes need to like cut you with scissors. Yep. Oh my God. They sometimes have to cut you. This is so fucked up. They said, they said just with normal you. scissors. Just with normal scissors. Like vag scissors. That oh, you can vag scissors. The vag scissors. Um, you're, so like if you get an epidural, which I highly recommend. Also, when they come to your room to say it's time, do you want the epidural? Say yes, because if you want it, because usually there's only like one anesthesiologist on the floor at that time. And I said no, because I was like trying to be like, oh, I think I'm gonna do it natural, maybe come back in like two hours. But then he went into like an emergency surgery and was gone for six hours. Oh God. And there's not like another one on the floor. So anyways, if you want the epidural and it's available, grab it. Yeah. Um, you don't, it doesn't hurt as much as you think the tear, the tearing, what hurts, because yes, some people do tear, some don't. Some need to tear and they aren't tearing, so you get cut. What hurts the worst, I think, is when they sew you up at the end. Oh my God, no. I'm, what? And then you have to birth bloody. the placenta. Cutting too. Oh you God. have to birth the placenta. So after the baby's out, you have to then push out your placenta, which is what? like this big thing that the baby is. Placenta, like what is in that? What is in it? Um, so when your when um, baby's in your tummy, all the placenta is like this big organ. Okay. And it's in your, it's in you. And that's what is feeding your child. So okay. like, if it's is not working, like the sac, it's in, what do you say? Is it like the sack that they're in? Like no, that's just like the, the sac. Okay. And then the placenta is this organ that like the umbilical cord and all the stuff runs through to the baby. So if okay. the placenta stops working, then the baby won't get any nutrients and won't be able to grow. So I have another question since we're talking about placenta. And I ate my placenta, yes. You did? For you all did? Yeah, it's amazing. I think I want to do that, but I'm not shocked that you did that because we're like aligned on this. Hello. So you have to, they get it out and they have to put it in a freezer. And then um, you have to have someone come to the hospital. And I think with COVID, I mean, I don't know how they do it now, but then this like, then you hire a placenta lady to come and she gets your placenta and takes it home and she makes it into a little, she dr freeze dries it and then she put it into pills for me. So and you, then, oh, okay, that's not crazy. Some people like, I think eat it like in a smoothie or something and like, I don't know. I just got mine in a pill form. Yeah. My husband took some of my pills. They give you so much energy. They ward off postpartum depression. My mom thought it was like being a cannibal. <laughs> I loved it. You did. Like, I've heard of that and I'm definitely, definitely down and I'll call your placenta lady. Yeah. And if you don't want to eat it, at least plant it in your garden. They say that it like enhances your garden. Isn't that wild? That is wild. I like that. I thought that you like bit off a piece of it, but like pills. No, it's like bloody. It's like, it looks like a bloody raw steak. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. Whew. 
Oof. Okay. I love that this is your favorite subject. You're smiling. Well, I love head. newborns so much. I could die. They're just like, they're still so a part of the other world yeah. and they're just so magical. Um, I just can't, they smell so good. Mm. And oh, yeah. like, your body is just incredible. Like as soon as it's time to feed you, your boobs just start leaking and you're like, Oh, it's been two hours. Like if it's just like, you guys are still, you shared like an aura together. And mm -hmm. then when they come out that, that first like 40 days, you're still kind of like one, you yeah. know, yeah. like I, it's just so magical um, and horrible and horrifying and you don't sleep and breastfeeding hurts so bad. Oh my fucking God. It hurts so bad. I have a random question. Do, did your husband drink your breast milk ever or try he, it? He did. I made him put it. I, I, we were out of coffee creamer once and he like, I'm going to try it. What do you think? And coffee creamer? He said it was great. I've heard but that was the only time he did it. Cause I didn't make enough milk. So I was like, you get a drop and that is all it's liquid gold, baby. Yeah. And I'm not one of those women that was just like, you know, walking around pumping eight ounce bottles. Like my milk was like skim milk. Um, so, you know, I had trouble with that and I had to hire a lactation consultant and like we would go to her office. I'd be like in tears with the baby, totally topless. My husband's there trying to take notes. Um, <laughs> breastfeeding is like a, you need a degree in it. It's so hard to me. It was hard. And I think there's a lot of shame around that too. That's a whole other podcast Yeah. because yeah, yeah. I found formula and my babe, my boobs, weren't working and my baby started sleeping through the night and I was like oh that's why it's here don't be afraid of it yeah so um yeah what else guys that was that was definitely enlightening um yeah that was wild that's I feel like that's all I might need to know but um Lila do you have anything else you'd like to ask no I'm in shock I am <laughs> I'm really glad you like finished that with like, it's so magical and you're one because I honestly was like, I don't think I'm going to do it. But that's why I did it three times, you know, like you, it's so magical and I don't remember like the pain. I know it was there, but I did it three times. And if it was that bad, I don't know. I would never have done it three times. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You have three beautiful babies now. Yeah. It's worth every, everything, all of it. All right, I'll have a baby. Lila, you want to have a baby? Let's do it. I'll have a baby when I'm ready. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right, Courtney. Well, thank you for taking that one. So I think we have time for one more question. So I decided on what this last question is because I feel like this is something that comes up so often. And I struggle enough with this within just being in a partnership. And that is what are some tips for being a good partner and also maintaining balance in your self-care and pursuing your goals? Mm. So for me, I think I am the best partner when I prioritize myself. That sounds counterintuitive, but it's kind of like when you're on an airplane and they're giving you like, in case yeah, we yeah. do this stuff, you always have to put your mask on first, your uh, or oxygen mask, and then to help somebody else. Right. So, and Robbie and I had a thing about this like last night um, of where we have to prioritize ourselves and our happiness is our own job. So when we come together, we are good partners to each other. So I feel like it just has to be a 
priority and, and also being conscious of what self-care looks like to you. Like for me, I have to go to the gym. I have to meditate every day. I have to um, eat healthy, those kind of things. But if you're unaware of the things that fill you up and take care of you, it's hard to take care of yourself. So I guess that would be one of the tips I would say is just become aware of what of what self-care needs you need specifically and prioritize them and see if you can make that a, um, a thing in your relationship. Like that's what you do for each other is you take care of yourselves and it's not the other person's responsibility to make you happy. It's your own responsibility. I love that. And then for, for me, it's like, um, um, there's the mom guilt is so, so big, you know, you, you have children and they need so much from you. And so I just sort of have to emphasize how important it is just to get a babysitter. Even if you just need to go sit in your car and read a book, um, you just have to get away and just be get by her. So get babysitters, mom, get all the babysitters you can get, go for a walk. Even if you have nothing to do, you don't have to get a babysitter and go to a five-star restaurant. Everything's closed anyways, but just get a babysitter and, and, have someone else watch the kids and just go, um, go out with your husband, do something. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta just get away from the kids. Yeah. I found that a lot of times in my relationships, I have, um, expected them to fill me up. Like again, like a rom-com I've expected to meet someone who will make me whole right? Like mm -hmm. someone who will do those things for me and make me happy. I think that's definitely how I thought of in my twenties and in my thirties, I now realize what you both are saying is like, if you don't take time for yourself, you cannot be a good partner to the other person and they can't fulfill anything for you mm -hmm. if you don't have that within you first. So I'm not good to my partners. Um, if I don't work out, if I don't journal, you know, if I don't truly, I I've actually never lived with a partner. And part of that is like, I'm so used to having like my space and my time and like uh, my like single girl secret habits, you know, like the weird things that you do when no one's looking. And I'm like terrified to give up that. And then people to like, my jig is up and they know all my stuff. Um, and to not have that space and time. So for, I have the sort of the perspective of like, I have all of, I have all the space and all the privacy and then I just get to show up and then be like a great partner, like two days a week, you know? So, um, but I think regardless of what stage you are in your relationship, it is so important. Like if you are alone, like don't, spend all your day thinking about how you're going to make your partner happy the next time you see them. Like, no, like you have to make yourself happy first and fulfilled so that your cup can spill over to other people. I certainly hear that that's a lot harder when you have children, when you are married and you, you don't even get to go to the bathroom by yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, like it, it is so insane, especially during quarantine, you don't go to the bathroom by yourself. I haven't taken a shower by myself in so long, no. you know, yeah, they're running in and out. They want to draw on the mirror and, you know, you just, there's always somebody at your feet. And so on days where before, you know, when during COVID or if you don't have a babysitter or, you know, whatever, even just going into the closet for a second and being like, I'll be right back and just closing the door <laughs> oh and just finding, I would find that 30 seconds was enough. 
Sometimes it's all you get to breathe for 30 seconds and that's it. And you just have to find the tiniest moments to take care of yourself. And they may not look like what they used to when you were dating or when you were single, but they're still glorious. Yeah. Like yeah. doing what's good for you. Like Lila, you and I were talking to about how, you know, your partner also doesn't have to like to do the same things that you like to do for self-care. Like we were talking the other day at dinner about how like we both are very like mindful and we love to journal or meditate or whatever. And I always thought that like in order to be in a happy relationship, my partner would want to do the same thing. Oh yeah. That's not true. I learned that. And like their self-care, like Robbie's self-care looks way different than mine. Um, but if he isn't aware of what that looks like, he will never take care of himself. Also, I think like the reverse is true. You need to be aware of the things that you do that drain your energy. Um, like I stopped using Instagram as much as I used to just because that I find drains my energy. And there's a whole science behind it, but like literally it, it sucks your energy and and sucks Did you see that show about it what was it called um the, on netflix oh my god yes oh yeah that dilemma. Was social dilemma. watch that social dilemma oh my god that was insane it's horrifying horrifying it you get so much dopamine just from like likes and dings and all of that stuff from technology that when you go away your receptor sites in your brain have regulated to get that much. And if you're not getting that much from normal life, you're unhappy. Yeah. So like, I've had to like, be like, okay, I need far less of that and a lot more of sunshine or, you know, talking on the phone with my friends or FaceTime with somebody or just stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. it's important to know what drains you just as much as what fills you up. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's such a good point. Yeah. Any final thoughts, you guys, on anything that we haven't gotten to share? Top of mind on any on anything maybe we didn't even ask. Um, I was just thinking about the pressure that you guys might be feeling to have kids and how I think today's day and age, it should be totally erased because before yeah. Zoom and working from home, I think people were afraid to have babies because their careers. And now like, God forbid anyone at an office tell a woman that like, she can't get a promotion because she had twins. Like right. they would be on the fire, you know, like now is like your time, do whatever you want. You know, mm -hmm. like it's, there's no timeline anymore. You can have the baby. You can wait. People are having babies at 45. All of that old, you have to have a baby before you're 30 oh. is so stupid. Hello, honey. So I just feel like, um, there should be no pressure like there was even 10 years ago. Thank you. I, I feel that way too. I feel like it's nobody's business what you do, especially if the woman is going to be the one carrying the baby, your body, your choice, do it when it's right for you. And that's, it's nobody else's business, even your partner. It's if you're going to be the one carrying, I feel like you get the final say. Yeah. Well, it's like when you do a group project at school and like, Really, you're doing the whole group project. They're in the group project, but you're doing all the work. <laughs> and now Lila and I know what birth entails. So yes, we are really gonna take our time. Make sure I'm. I need to make sure. Oh, it's beautiful. You'll light candles in the room. You'll have the scented candles and the music. Lila, the scarves. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Just a little bit of yuck. <laughs> 
Well, you guys, thank you so much for being on the Give a Damn podcast. I want to do more with these with you two. I have so many more questions. I'm um, ready, ready for the next one. Oh. I'm open for hire. Done. Done. We will be doing more. Um, real quick before we go, where can people find you if they have follow-up questions? Um, you can find me on the TV. Gram. TV. <laughs> you can find me on um, probably Instagram's the easiest, even though I don't check it as often. I check it once a day. So at least once a day. So um, at Lila Rich Creek. I'll tag you. Yeah. Thanks. thanks um, yeah. I'm on Instagram, Court Cola, or bringing, bringing Up Mamas is my little jam. So I have two Instagrams and I check it. Yeah. Like, you know, every like hour ish. So. <laughs> <laughs> perfect um awesome you guys you are the best thank you so much um i hope thank you of course it's so much fun this was great um cheers to you guys cheers yes. cheers darling and for everyone listening i hope you enjoyed that thank you for your questions and um and for supporting this new girl talk wave that we were on more to come you guys um and as always you know give a damn about your community give a damn about your neighbor but most importantly give a damn about your damn self have a great day my friends okay.